Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter five of his work, The Categories, where, where Aristotle ostensibly is discussing substance, there's a very interesting and in some respects important side discussion that comes up that has to do not with substances per se, but rather with what you could call today linguistic or mental expressions that relate ultimately to substances. Aristotle is using the term in, in Greek logos, which, which means anything from speech itself to argument to reason. But in this particular case, it's better to translate it as something like statement. And we'll give some examples of that in a bit. The other term that he's using is typically translated as opinions. And that works all right. We could also say beliefs or judgments, even assumptions, assertions that we make in our heads. Statements could also be linguistic assertions, saying something is the case or is not the case. And the word for this is doxa. Doxa is the plural. It's the same word that we get, you know, we translate sometimes in other contexts as reputation or, you know, even glory or something like that. But in this case, it has to do with what we deem to be the case, what we, what we think, what we assume, what we tell ourselves is another way we could, we could put it. So the relationship between those things and what Aristotle is calling enantia, or that's in the Greek, contraries. Contraries are things like black and white, hot and cold, good and bad. You know, they're, they're at opposite ends of, of a spectrum perhaps, or perhaps there's nothing else in between. Definitely not the case with black and white or hot and cold for Aristotle. No, not for good or bad either, but you get the idea. So why is this coming up in the first place? Well, it's coming up in the course of a discussion where Aristotle is particularly keen to talk about the fact that substances admit of or accept contraries. So, you know, for example, this book, the pages are white. Presumably, you know, th these are actually made with pretty good paper. I think like acid-free and all that. But let this book sit for a couple hundred years and the colors of the pages should probably change, right? If they don't, I'd be very surprised. Although, of course, I won't be around to see that in part because the processes of change are happening more quickly to this body that I have, right? That's a process of change as well, going from young to old. Right now, I'm kind of in the middle point. Hopefully, I'll last long enough to, to be old. Now, what is the, the context here? So Aristotle has said that substances admit of contraries. That is, substances themselves can change by losing one of the contraries and taking on another of them. So I have a prop here that I'm going to be using for this, a chair, right? This is the chair that I sit at when I edit my videos. It's red, wooden. It's at this point in time, not broken. Maybe by the time that somebody watches this far down the line, it will in fact be no more or will have changed its color. You know, right now it's a very nice, this is an Ikea piece, right? Very nice red, but presumably over time, the paint, something will happen to it. We could decide we want to repaint it, you know, and make it black or white or whatever, you know? You get the idea. Substances themselves admit of changes. My body can be healthy right now. And then earlier this week, I was actually sick. And maybe next week I'll be sick again. So these are the way substances work and the way contraries exist in substances. Now, what Aristotle says 
is that it's only substances that admit of changes like that, admit of contraries, where they can accept opposed contraries, not at the same time. So the same thing can't be both healthy and sick at the same time, at least not in the same respect, but it can be healthy at one time and sick at another time. And it still remains say human being or guinea pig or octopus or houseplant. Now, are substances really the only thing that admit of contraries that way? Aristotle says, you know, somebody could raise an objection. What could they raise the objection of? Well, of statements and opinions. Notice that it's not just any contraries that he's going to discuss here because there's some that just, you know, don't really make that much sense unless we're talking in a very metaphorical way, right? We can say statements seem to be able to admit one kind of contrariness, not to be black and white or to be good or bad or to be hot or cold. I mean, we can talk about statements in those ways, but there we're, we're again, being rather metaphorical. We're not using the words in the same sense as we would in other cases. But what about truth and falsity? It certainly seems like statements are able to be, at least some statements, to be both true and false. Some statements can't. Some statements like a bachelor is an unmarried male, that is what we call a tautology. It's always true right? And you don't even have to have bachelors or males or anything like that. It's been defined that way. And it's just always going to be the case. Complex statements that contain some sort of absurdity, which are always false, would be another case where you can't have this, this sort of change as well. Some sort of inherent contradiction. But it seems like there's a lot of statements that can be both true and false, doesn't it? So we're going to use this prop in just a moment, but think about this. Dr. Sadler is wearing a black shirt and a yellow tie. It's true at this moment. You probably think that it's true while you're watching this video, but you know, who knows? Maybe after I shoot this, I go and I change into a green shirt with a red tie. And suddenly the statement is false. So what about this? He sits in this case, Dr. Sadler sits, got a chair right here, plunk it down. He sits. It's a false statement right now. Now it's a true statement. Now it's false again. Now it's true. What about when I'm halfway here? Well, don't worry about that too much. Yeah, that, that's sort of like in the process of changing from being true to false. So if we look at it this way, then it does seem as if the statement is true at one point and then loses its truth and accepts falsity as part of that statement, something that can be predicated of the statement, right? He sits is a false statement. So it looks like the statement itself is undergoing change, accepting a contrary, re rejecting the other, getting rid of that contrary, accepting the other one back in. So Aristotle says, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's not the statement itself that is changing. And he says the same thing, by the way, holds for opinion because in part, Aristotle tends to think of statements and opinions, linguistic expressions, and their mental correlates as essentially being the same thing. One being external, one being internal. So it's not the statement that changes. It's something else. What is the something else? Well, you could say, you know, the disposition of my body, or at least, you know, part of my body, my posterior in relation to this thing we call a chair or anything else that I might happen to sit on. If I were to sit on the floor, right. Or try to sit on the ledge of the chalkboard. 
probably wouldn't work for very long. That would not be a true statement for very long, right? So it's not the statement itself that changes. It's the something else, what it is that the statement is telling us about, what it's referring to. And this could hold even for imaginary things. Mickey Mouse is a jerk, right? You go and watch the cartoon and you're like, yeah, Mickey Mouse really is a jerk. Look at how he treats Goofy or Donald Duck. And then, you know, maybe you watch another cartoon. And you're like, you know that Mickey's not such a bad guy after all, or bad mouse or bad being, whatever he has, bad imaginary thing. It's quite possible to say things, statements about things that don't exist. So the statement itself doesn't undergo the change. What does undergo the change? In this case, for example, a, a substance, my body in relation to the chair. Aristotle will go on and say, nothing can actually change statements or opinions. That's a weird thing to say that I imagine probably throws a few readers off. He doesn't mean that in the sense of, well, we never change our minds about things so that if I think that this is a red chair and then I find out that I actually have red, green color blindness and it's, it's really a green chair and somebody demonstrates that to me, say by showing me the spectra of the light waves or something along those lines, it's not that I wouldn't possibly change my opinion about it, but it when we say change my opinion, we don't mean that I'm actually changing that opinion itself in its, uh, what it is to be an opinion. We're saying that I get rid of that opinion and add a different one in its place. So it's a little bit of a imprecise way of talking about things. If we were, and it's probably easier to think about this in terms of statements. If we were to change a statement and say, this is a red chair and then change the statement to this is a green chair, what we've actually done is created a new different statement. We haven't changed the original statement. We've just taken that one off the table. That one is still what it is. This is a red chair. So we don't change statements or opinions in themselves as the statement or opinion that they are. You might say, well, what about when we clarify and we say, this is a red chair as it appears to me. That's a different statement again. That's not the same thing as the original statement. So there's really two important upshots of this. One is that as it turns out, statements and opinions are not a counterexample to Aristotle's position that it's only substances that, that admit of contraries in the way that they do. And the other thing is, well, we know something now a little bit more, at least about how Aristotle thinks about it, about truth and falsity as things that can be predicated of opinions or statements. They don't work quite the same way as red and green or spicy and sour, or although those aren't actually opposites, <laughs> so, but you get the idea, good and bad, hot and cold, tall and short, any, any of these, these sorts of things. Truth and falsity work in a somewhat different way and require some reference to the relationship between linguistic or mental things and things, pragma, affairs, out there in reality, or at least imagined out there in reality. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.